army de la Vendée, commanded by General Lamarck and the army of the Chiron at Bordeaux under General Clausel, exhibited the same disposition. Nothing appeared easier than to accuse the provisional government of treason. That's right. And to march upon Paris at the head of between 20 and 25,000 men escorted by 100,000 fanatical peasants. The state of things was communicated by writing to the two generals above mentioned. And General Clausel answered that he was ready to bring 10,000 men whom he had under his command. General Lamarck negotiated. He did not feel it to be consistent with his duty to act in person against a government appointed by the chambers, but he fully perceived the danger to which the country was exposed and was ready to fight against its enemies. On the other hand, the emperor, in writing to Lamarck and Clausel, had rather yielded to the urgent requests of the Duke of Ravigo and General Lallemain, then followed his own opinion, for he felt a real repugnance to the resumption of power, and could not, moreover, believe it possible that the provisional government would allow the Bourbons to re-enter Paris. In addition, he felt himself restrained by an unfeigned aversion to having the social destinies of France committed to him for a second time. In fine, this new revolution came to naught like those by which it had proceeded. And at four o'clock on the morning of the 3rd of July, the emperor descended the steps of the prefecture. Thanking the people whilst he was getting into his carriage for the generous reception which they had given him. Cries, Vive l'Empereur! Remain with the sire! re-echoed from all sides, but the imperial exile made a signal with his hand to the postillions, and the carriage was driven off at full speed. The shouts of respect and devotion to his person, which followed his departure, loud, long resound in our ears. General Becker had availed himself of this halt to write to the provisional government the following report. New York, July 2nd, 1815, in order to accelerate the delivery of my report to the provisional government, I have the honor to inform them directly by an extraordinary courier that the emperor arrived last night at New York, very much fatigued and very uneasy concerning the fate of France without being recognized emperor has shown himself very much alive to the curious restlessness and avidity with which news is everywhere sought after on his journey the demonstrations of interest which have been shown have often caused him to say the government is ill acquainted with the spirit of france and has been too hasty in sending me away from paris had it accepted my proposition, the whole state of affairs would have been changed. In the name of the nation, I could still exercise a great influence in political affairs and support the negotiations of the government by an army to which my name would serve as a rallying point. On 
his arrival at New York, Her Majesty was informed by the maritime prefect of Rochefort that since the 29th of June, the English squadron had doubled the number of its cruisers and its vigilance so as to render the departure of the frigates impossible in this state of affairs. The emperor is anxious that the minister of marine should authorize the captain of the frigate of which he shall go on board to communicate with the commander of the English squadron should extraordinary circumstances render the step indispensable as well for the safety of his majesty as to spare France the grief and shame of seeing him carried off from his last asylum to be delivered over to the discretion of his enemies in these difficult circumstances. We wait anxiously for news from Paris. We entertain the hope that the capital will defend itself and that the enemy will give you time to see the issue of the negotiations commenced by your ambassadors to reinforce the army in order to cover Paris. This phrase and that which follows were suggested by the emperor. If in this situation the English cruisers prevent the frigates from putting to sea, you could dispose of the emperor as a general eagerly desirous of only being useful to the country. Lieutenant General Count Becker. On the 4th of July, two letters were dispatched from Paris addressed to Count Becker, one from the Minister of War conferring upon him the right of calling out the armed force, if necessary, to compel Napoleon Bonaparte to leave France. It ran as follows. Paris, July 4th, 1815. General Becker, the Commission of Government has given you instructions relative to the departure of Napoleon Bonaparte from France. I entertain no doubt of your zeal to accomplish the object of your mission with a view of facilitating it as much as in my power. I have issued orders to the generals commanding in La Rochelle and Rochefort to supply you with the necessary force and by all the means at their disposal to support such measures as you may deem suitable for the few full execution of the orders of the government. Except general assurance of my high consideration for the minister of war, the secretary general, counselor of state.